Amen. Amen. Listen, so let's define biblical obedience, right? Um, biblical obedience means to hear, tr to trust, to submit, and to surrender one's entire being to God and his word. Amen. Biblical obedience means to hear, to trust, to submit, and to surrender one's entire being to God and his word. Here is the first question for self-reflection. Does your entire being belong to God? Mm. Does your entire being belong to God? Many of us, we have confessed Jesus as our personal savior, and we are excited about knowing that we will go to heaven. I'm asking you, does your mind, does your will, does your emotions, how you manage your money, how you eat, how you live, does it means to submit and surrender, submit and surrender. And surrender. Are you surrendered to God? Mm. The only way to get all of the goodness and all of the purpose and all of the destiny that God has for you is surrender. To the degree that you surrender is the degree that you will see good. his goodness. Good. To the degree that you surrender is the degree that you will see his goodness. And I just really want to challenge many of you to grow up in the area of your obedience. And what do I mean? You make too many excuses mm -hmm. about your disobedience. You make too many justifications about your disobedience. And some of it really goes to something you said earlier. You're comparing yourself to something that's not the standard. Right. You're either comparing yourself to the old version of you, or you are comparing yourself to someone else, but the standard is Jesus. And I think you said this a couple of weeks ago that in Philippians two, it tells us and Jesus obeyed unto the death. Mm. We need to obey God until everything in us that's contradictory to God is dead. Yeah. And people go, well, why do y'all spend so much time talking about obedience? You know, why is it, why is it so important? Or, or they go, well, you know, I obey God in most things. Here's the thing we have to understand. Partial obedience is not obedience. Partial obedience is not obedience. And obedience is the major thing. It really is. It's the major key that unlocks God's treasure and blessings in our lives. You said it earlier that people talk about being in faith or walking in faith. But if you're not obeying God, you can't be in faith. You cannot be in you faith. You cannot even be in faith God. if you're not obeying God. And God is not looking. Uh, you know, they used to sing a, a song and say 99 and a half just won't do. Well, that's the same thing with obedience. You're 99 and a half obeying God. That half that you're not obeying God in can be the very thing that destroys your life. And it's not to say that, hey, we're we're beating up on people because they're not perfect. What we're saying is that we are striving for perfection, though. We ought to be striving to obey God in every area. And when we miss it, we need to learn from it so that when we see the test again, because how, because you know we're going to see it again, that we pass the test the next time. Oh, oh, disobedience is, is the enemy's key to our life. Yes. It is his way to access doors and windows that should be unaccessible to him. But when we disobey, we literally unlock those things for him to have access to our lives. No, that's so good. When you when you were saying that, this is what I was thinking. Obedience is divine defense. Yep. Obedience is defined. And that's the reason that the enemy wants you to hate obedience. Yep. He wants you to see obedience as God taking for you from you so that he can have access to come in through the gates and doors of your life. 
So literally think about this. Somebody will have everything going for them, right? Yep. But they won't get rid of the spirit of anger, yep. okay? You you hold on to the right to be angry. You hold on to the right to operate in rage. And then when everything is perfect in your life, he will allow there to, the enemy will orchestrate a situation at your job mm -hmm. or road rage and cause you to destroy your entire life. Everything because you work for. He'll let you he'll let you build it up and build it up and build it up and build it up. And whatever you refuse to get rid of and expel from your life will be the very thing he will use to bring down your life. You know, the, the reality That's of it so is, the reality of it is is this is that it is a battle for our heart. If you think about mm. it, it's a battle for our heart. God wants our heart, but so does the enemy. The devil wants our heart. And the way that we decide where our heart goes is either through obedience or disobedience. And that, and, and, and we get to choose. It really is why, you know, we find that scripture so appealing that says, I put before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Choose you this day. And if you don't know what to choose, choose, choose life. life. Choose, choose obedience. Life. Choose obeying me. Why do we say the obedience is life? Well, if you go back to John 15, 10, he literally says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. He says, if you choose life, if you choose life, then you're choosing obedience. If you choose obedience, you choose to remain in my love. And if you don't, then who are you giving your love to? It's the person you're choosing to be. You're either going to be loyal to God or loyal to the enemy. It's like the Bible says you can't have two masters. You're going to love one and do what? Hate the other? Or you're going, to hate, you're going to love this one and hate this one? He says, love me. Love me. How do you love me? You can check whether you love me by whether or not you keep my commandments. Man, and think about the deception of this, that the enemy, he wants us to see obedience as grievous. As grievous. So we won't do it. So we end up partnering yes. with the enemy in his plot to steal, kill, and destroy. We work with him to destroy ourselves. We work with the enemy to destroy ourselves. I'm going to give you a really good example here, guys. Is this making sense to y'all today? Think about it like this. God gives you an instruction about how to eat. We've seen this with people. Um, Kimberly Dennis has a great testimony about the things the Lord told her to stop eating. As long as she doesn't eat those things, the open door to sickness in her life is closed. Mm. But when she sees those things as grieving, I can't believe everybody else get to eat cheese. I don't get to eat cheese. There may be temporary pleasure in eating the cheese, right. but the pain is not worth it. Right. So what the enemy works to do with all of us is to make us think that when God gives an instruction, he wants to keep something good from us. Amen. That the reason he doesn't want us to fornicate is to keep something good from us. The reason that he doesn't, he wants us to obey is to keep something good from us. And so then he gets us to partner with him in our destruction. Yep. I need some people to say no more. No more. I need you to say no more. The Bible says, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices, right? He is being exposed right now. And I was thinking about this because I've said this before. I've said sometimes it's not the devil, it's you. But, but as we were on vacation, I was thinking about it. 
that your choices are either influenced by God or the devil. They are. So even when it looks like it was you, somebody You're influenced, influenced that. Right. You are influenced. Right. By, so I'm not, I said, I'm not going to say that anymore. Yeah. It, it, even if you make a bad decision, that decision was influenced by the devil. I need, I, I need y'all stared up. I need all 50 of you hollering no more, no more. I see this place where the enemy has tricked me with tithing. I see where he has tricked me. I, there are some women on here. Every time your life starts going good, you date some sucker that pulls you back because your fear of not having anybody, and it may be good temporarily, but the pain on the other side, you, we take we take jobs, we buy cars, we move into apartments, we do all these things that God is saying no to. And I need some people to make a firm, resolute decision no more. This does not mean I won't miss it again. Right. This means that I am no longer okay with me missing it and not having any right. conviction. Right. I am no longer okay with my own justification. I'm going to tell you all this story and then we're going to get into um, we're going to get into Psalms 37. But when we were um when we were at the resort there was this one light that we kept I kept having trouble I would turn it on but I couldn't get the light back off. And we were pushing all these buttons and couldn't get the light back off. And Edwin says he didn't say this, but this is what I heard. I heard him say to me, "Stop turning that light on cuz every time you turn it on you can't get it off." Right? I immediately felt this thing that rose up in me like, I'm grown. This is my room, too. I can turn the light on if I want to. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, now I want you to practice obedience. Now, this is not about turning the light on or not. This is about whether you can follow an instruction. And I did not turn that light on again. And a couple of days later, you say, why don't you turn that light on right now? I'm practicing obedience. I'm practicing obedience. And, and you didn't necessarily see it like that, but all throughout the trip, God would say, look at, look at rebellion. Look how natural it is for human beings to be rebellious, right? And how rebellion always sets us up. And he, and this is what the Lord said to me when we were doing the speedboat things. He said, people will rebel for no other reason than they don't want to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be told what to do. Now, I'm going to give you, this is my other trip analogy. We did the speedboat. In the speedboat, you're supposed to stay in line, one behind each other, right? Now, the tour guide clearly knows exactly where we're going. The rest of us do not know where we're going, right? He specifically tells us time and time again, I need everybody to stay in line behind each other. As we're driving, what happens, babe? Somebody gets out of line. Three, four people out of line. Now they trying to do like we, um, like we, um, you know, the airplanes when we flying in a V or something, right? With no understanding of where they're going. So he has to stop the tour. I say to Edwin, I said, it's just like being in kindergarten. He got to stop the tour and say, I told you to stay in line. Staying in line is for everybody's safety. How many times have we gotten out of line because we think we know? We don't even know the way we going, but we still think we know. That's why we have to make a decision today to say no more. Who's my no more people this morning? Because I want to hear from you. No more. Staying in line, following God, listening to our spiritual leaders as they follow after God. That is divine defense and it will keep us safe. Amen. Amen. And the whole point of the staying in the line was because there were other ships in the water. 
Yes. And as other ships were going by, they create a wake. And as they create a wake, uh, our boats would then hit that wake. And if you weren't careful, they could tip you over. Hmm. And so that's the reason he said, hey, I need everybody to stay in line. He didn't explain all that, but he didn't have to. He was the tour guide. He said, this is the way we've got to go. And it was posted on the boat itself that you were supposed to stay in line. Here's the thing. God wants us to stay in line. He may not explain why all the time, but the fact of the matter is that if we stay in line, then we have a good outcome. That's literally what Psalm 37 and 4 tells us. It says, listen, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord enough that you follow his instructions, that you do it without him having to beg you to do it. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and that he will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you a favorable outcome. He will give you but, a favorable outcome. But if outcome. you don't trust God enough to obey him because your intellect or what somebody else has told you sounds better to you than what God said, you'll go and do it somebody else's way and then be upset when you don't get God's outcome. But it's, 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 it, is, it is disingenuous to really be mad at God when you didn't follow God's directions. If you do it your own way, you're supposed to get your own outcome. No, no wait, pause, come on, put that in the comments. If you do it your own way, you're supposed to get you your outcome. You're supposed to get you're your You're supposed outcome. to get insufficiency. You're supposed to get a lack of favor. The way of the transgressor is hard. Mm. That's one of the things being strict, we just laugh about sometimes. Man, sometimes we'll be walking through, we'll read something, and, and it's not that we're laughing at people's trouble, but we're like, man, when old people used to say a hard head make a soft behind, they were really saying, Proverbs, the way of a transgressor is hard. You are in these hard times because you won't listen. Yeah. And as many times as you have failed yourself, why in the world would you choose to listen to yourself over God? Mm. Why would you choose to listen to yourself over God? Because you know you done failed you. Because you know you done failed you. Now, I know you like to talk about all the other people who done failed you, but you have failed you. Why would you choose to listen to yourself? When you know you have failed you, when God has delivered you, even after you got yourself in trouble. And there are some situations that even if you obey God fully, they can seem like trouble. They can mm -hmm. seem like it's difficult. They can seem like it's hard to overcome. But the Bible tells us in Psalms 103 and 13, it says that just like a father shows compassion to his children, the Lord will show that same kind of compassion to those who reverence and do what? Obey him. So when you are obeying God, even in difficult situations, God will show compassion on your behalf. So we all face challenges. We tell people all the time, just because you're born again doesn't mean you are exempt from life's troubles. Life's troubles will find you. You live in a world that is full of sin. As a result, the Bible says that it rains on the just as well as the unjust. So there are going to be times in your life where you are going to face trouble even when you've done everything right. But those are the times that you can have the confidence to know that just like a father shows compassion to his children, God will show compassion to me because I've been reverencing and obeying him. Even in difficult times, God is my deliverer. I just want to testify. And all the time I've been working, walking with God, mm -hmm. what I have found is even what seemed like trouble, he delivered. He, delivered. he is a great deliverer because deliverance comes. See, the deliverance for the children of Israel came at the Red Sea. Mm -hmm. Had they not been at the Red Sea, they wouldn't have been able to be delivered. Many of us, it's not, like you said, 
life, we're not exempt from life's challenges, but you want to be at the pickup spot. Yeah. What's the extra, like, think about this. We watch a lot of movies um, mm -hmm. that are a lot of, a lot, um, of action a lot of action movies, but a lot of spy movies, right? And there will always be an extraction point and they will say, get to the extraction point. Friends, let me tell you, the be obedience is your extraction point. Mm. When you get to the extraction point, you will experience deliverance. Many of you right now are going through the same affliction over and over again. And you're saying, God, God, why am I here? God, why won't my money break through? God, why won't this break through? God, why can't I lose the weight? He said, because you won't go to the extraction mm. point. The deliverance point is at the extraction point. So the enemy works. If you've ever watched any action the enemy works to keep you from getting to the extraction mm -hmm. point because he knows that if you get to the extraction point, he cannot keep you bound. Mm -hmm. So the enemy works to get you to say, no, I'm not going to go to the extraction point. No, I'm not going to go to the safe house. No, I'm not going to go to the room over the Chinese restaurant. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to try to find my own way out. And then we end up in trouble. I need Absolutely. my no more folks saying no more, Amen. no more. No more. Get to the extraction point and get delivered. And don't leave the extraction point. Stay in the extraction point because your deliverance is not a long range plan. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. So we've been talking about our first point that we want to do. We're going to do three points. We may not get to all three of them today. Number one is that obedience is not optional for the believer. Yep. You have to see that. You have to understand and see that my obedience is not optional. When God gives me an instruction, that's not a if I want to do it. If I want to do if it. If I feel like doing it. If the, if the obstacles are not too difficult. Uh, if I have enough resources. If I feel like it. If my friends go with me. When God gives me an, an instruction, it is not optional. And we must understand that if that when Jesus Christ tells us, hey, if you love me, keep my commandments, then when he gives us a commandment, our test of whether we love him is whether we do it. It's whether we do it. He said, that's how you can judge whether you love me. Not by what you say. He says, but whether or not you do what I've asked you to do. Jesus doesn't give us, uh, Holy Spirit, when he's speaking to us, doesn't give us options to be obedient. He tells us things. It would be like you saying to your kids, hey, don't play in the street. Mm, but if you want to, I guess you can. You wouldn't give that instruction to your kid. Why? Because you know that playing in the street is dangerous. And so you, what you would tell your kids is don't play in the street. In fact, every parent, if you've had a toddler, you've probably done this. You've been out somewhere with your toddler and your toddler, even though you've told them several times not to go away for you or don't go in the street, They've made a mad dash after something, someone or something and was heading toward a street. It probably scared you enough that when you got them and you snatched them up, that you actually then put punishment on them. You probably started popping them because they was running across that street. Why? Because you were so concerned about their well-being that you wanted to inflict pain upon them so that the next time they thought about doing it, they wouldn't do it. Well, if we do that as natural parents, then why would we get mad at God when we disobey and we have some natural pain happen to us? Now, God isn't doing it, but when God says you get outside of those consequences, bad things can happen. 
We want to keep our kids away from those consequences, those negative consequences, so bad that we inflict punishment upon them to teach them a lesson so that they don't do it again. So Holy Spirit's job when he's communicating with us is to keep us safe. Holy Spirit's job is to keep us safe. Because I know we done snatched up some kids for running toward the street. If the Holy Spirit's job is to keep us safe. And let's just be honest as parents. The truth of it is, you feel like your kids, especially when they get older, you feel like their obedience is a measure of your love. Sure. Absolutely you do. You've worked hard. You've made sacrifices. I was saying to Ellen the other day, I was saying we have to be very careful about the things that we come into agreement with because we come into these agreement with these things that don't, that sound really, really good, but they really aren't kingdom mindset. And one of them is, is that your kids don't owe you anything, which is actually not true. I am not saying that your kids owe you to make every decision that you want them to make. I am saying that God always thinks in generations. So in order for the generation to extend, your kids do owe you to live in purpose. Mm -hmm. They owe you to live in purpose. They do owe you that. You owe your parents to live in purpose if your parents raised you in purpose. We owe Jesus to live in purpose. We owe that. And I think that when, when we don't understand that God thinks generationally, we think everything is just about us. But here's the reality. Your obedience sets your family up for generational blessings and your disobedience sets your family up for, for generational curses. Now, I need you to hear this because I know a lot of people say Jesus delivered us from the curse. The Bible does say that. But your disobedience can walk you right back into what Jesus delivered you mm -hmm. from. And what we've done is that we have created this mindset where everybody acts as an individual. And we need to know this. Our decisions don't just impact us. Our decisions impact the next generation and the next generation as well. There are many of us today that are fighting things that we didn't choose. They are the result of our parents' and grandparents' decisions. Yep. So are, is you, are you setting your kids up for generational blessings or are you set away setting your kids up for generational curses having to undo what it is that your that your decisions did. And I think people don't realize this. Our decision to obey God and stay married didn't just bless us. Right. It created something different for our kids. It created something different for the people in our ministry. And, and but we did that because I want to go back to this. Number one, we had a word to get married to begin with. We had a word that we were supposed to be married. And then we had a word to work it out. So we did those things in obedience, even when it didn't feel good. And now we get the result. I love so many times when people go, how long have you been married? And we say, we've been married 28 years. Everywhere we went on a trip, people go, you guys really seem like you like each other. Uh, we do. Why? Because we didn't treat obedience as optional. So then when God said to us he would give us days of heaven on earth, we're getting to live what God said because we did what he said. 
Many of you are trying to get what God said without doing what he said. Mm -hmm. And that only leads to disappointment. Yep. You know, the other thing I, I was thinking, that that's, it really is a sad testament, though, to, uh, to the fact that people assume that if you're married, you know, a certain amount of time, that somehow you can't like the person anymore. Yes. You know, and I think that that's, that is a testament to when you obey God, you come out looking different than what people think. And so the reality of it is for many of people who are watching this broadcast today, there are areas in your life that if you will clean up and I say it like that, clean, if it up. clean up those areas in your life where you don't practice obedience, you'll begin to see that those areas will be a testimony for other people. Other people will say, oh, my goodness, I've never seen anybody go through X or people who experience this or people who have this dream or that dream and they're able to do it the way you're doing it. Obedience creates that light. It draws other people to us to give us the opportunity to then testify about Jesus. And you know what was so cool? Your life becomes a testimony. Yeah, it's the light. Because every couple, every couple that was younger than us, when they found out how long we've been married, they would say, what's the secret? Yeah. They wanted to know what's the secret because the truth of it is when people get married, they want to stay married. Yeah, nobody nobody walks down the aisle saying, okay, let's start the clock to divorce. Right. No one, no one walks down the aisle and starts thinking, okay, we got we got five years, seven tops. You know, nobody, no one's thinking that way. You get married to the person that you love. You 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 think you're going to spend the rest of your life with that person. You even get up there and, and sometimes lie and say to death do us part and all that other stuff that people be saying is sickness and health and better, you know, rich and poor and sickness. You lying. If you're not committed, you're going to find yourself lying about that. And so nobody goes down the aisle expecting to, to tell that lie. And so what happens is, is that you have to make sure that you're obeying God in, in those areas where marriage is concerned. But any area. Any but area. any area. But this is so good because Kim, Kim Nika says the secret is Jesus. But I want to push back on that. The secret is Jesus. Yes and no. The truth of it is is that Jesus was only able to change our marriage because we would obey. Yeah. I see believers all the time who go to church and love Jesus. I see believers all the I time. I hear pastors tell people that Jesus is enough. Jesus ain't enough to keep you married. Jesus is not enough. Why? Because Jesus is not going to come and lock y'all together. People decide they're, uh, he's just not. Takes off he, he's, he's not going to come and lock y'all together and say, y'all got to stay, y'all can't. No, I get what people are saying. If each person is obeying Christ, then that helps to stay together. But but there are I, I tell people, listen, just going to church and saying you love Jesus ain't enough to keep a marriage together. It's a whole lot of stuff you got to work on personally and collectively. I'm, I'm Chris, take your phone and type or if you watch and type in the comments, uh, inserts running emoji right here. Insert the running emoji, because the truth of it is, is that I really and I understood what Kim Nick is trying to mm -hmm. say. But I think that that's the disconnect. Why so many believers end up frustrated. Yeah. They end up frustrated because they're like, I love Jesus. And I want you to hear this. I love Jesus. You love Jesus, but you don't know how to communicate. You love Jesus, but you don't forgive quickly. You love Jesus, but you're selfish. You love Jesus, but you're <laughs> selfish. You love Jesus, but you won't go to therapy. You love Jesus, but you don't love Jesus enough to do the thing. It's just like people like when people get up every day, good morning, millionaires and billionaires. You say God gave you a business, but you don't love Jesus enough to learn how to market. Mm. You don't love Jesus enough to be consistent in promoting your business. Yeah. So, yes, you love Jesus and you're going to heaven. 
but your your marriage, your children, your business um, is a, is never going to experience days of heaven on earth. I love when people ask questions like this. What happens when one is obedient and the other is not? This is what I believe happens. I believe that there is a period of time where God will instruct people to stand for their marriage. I believe it. And he will pull on the other person to come into agreement. But if that person does not come into agreement, God will not have you spend the rest of your life being tormented by a partner who has no interest in being with you. Now, we got some clear rules. I'm so glad you asked this. There is no biblical instruction to stay with someone who abuses you in any way, yeah. financially, physically, emotionally, sexually, mentally. Abuse, we cannot have a covenant if abuse is taking place. The very fact of marriage is that marriage should look like Christ and the church. That means that if marriage is not safe, there is no covenant. You are not obligated to stay in an unsafe place. You do not owe God that. God is not asking you for that. You also do not owe God. God is not asking you to stay in a marriage where somebody looks you in your face and say, I don't want you. Jesus loved you so much that he died on the cross for you. Do you think he died on the cross? Okay, here's a simple question. Anybody who's a parent, did you do all you did for your kid to be married to somebody who would look them in their face and say, I don't want you. I can't stand you. I don't want to be with you. I'm not attracted to you, which, by the way, is emotional and physical abuse. So we are never going to be the kind of people who say stay together no matter what, because we couldn't tell you to do what we wouldn't do. We couldn't tell you to do what um, we wouldn't tell our kids today to do. And what we always say is that our marriage turned around because we were both willing to obey God. Yeah, I think the other key, I'll just say to that, because I hear people say that a lot. And it's a legitimate question about what do you do? Uh, when when one person wants to and the other person doesn't. You know, one of the things I remember God told us early on, he told me, you said he told you, but I distinctly remember God telling me not to be concerned with what you do, that my job was to be concerned about me obeying him. And I think sometimes people get distracted because they'd be like, well, God, I'm doing X, Y, and Z, but the other person ain't doing A, B, and C. And, and then you start counting what the other person is not doing. And then you're counting of what the other person isn't doing. You're actually missing what you aren't doing as well. So well, I amen. agree with everything that you said, amen. 100%. But I tell people when it comes to working things out, you need to make sure that you're obeying God in every area. I remember when God told me, and I, I, I told you, I cried about it. When God said, I don't care what she does. You do what I tell you to do and you let me handle the rest. But don't come, don't talk to me not another time about what she is doing or not doing. You do everything I tell you to do, and then you trust me enough to do the rest. And you and, cried, uh, yeah, because 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 what you it wasn't it wasn't like an all cry because I love you, it was a frustration kind of cry because it was like, God, why do I have to do this and she doesn't? And I think that's what people miss sometimes. They miss the part that, that God wants you to be obedient, you know, because what God is really doing is he's really drawing us to show how much we love him. In fact, 1 John 2, 3 through 4 in the Amplified Bible really states that. Here's what it says. It says, and this is how we may discern. It says, daily by experience that we are coming to know him. He says, here's how you can know every single day how you're getting to know him, how you can perceive, recognize, 
understand and become better acquainted with him. He says, this is how you do it. If you keep, bear in mind, observe and practice all of his teachings, his precepts and commandments. Verse four says, whoever says, I know him, I perceive, recognize, understand, and are acquainted with him, but then fails to keep and obey his commandments, his teachings, he is a liar, and the truth of the gospel is not in him. He says, so if you can tell me about all the stuff that Sean isn't doing, but you're not keeping what I've told you to do, I ain't got time to listen to you because you're a liar. Now, people don't like to hear it that way. People don't like to hear it that way. But that's 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 people need to have real conversations. They need to let the Holy Spirit have real conversations with them because the Holy Spirit ain't always just saying, oh, I want to bless you. Oh, this is your year of greatness. This is your year of progress. All that stuff is true. But sometimes he's like, look, you are a liar. You lying to yourself and you lying to me. Stop lying. You worried about what she doing. But I can name 15 things you ain't doing. Want me to name them for you? And if you're not having those kind of conversations with Holy Spirit, you're not allowing him to really be your mentor, to really be your teacher, to really be your guide. Because the truth of the matter is any good mentor, any good teacher, any good coach, they're not always blowing sunshine up your backside. What they are oftentimes doing is correcting you when you are wrong. They're pointing you in a different direction. They're pointing out your faults so that you can fix them. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do for us. So we'll stop giving ourselves excuses for why we disobey. You is preaching <laughs> up that's in the, here. The truth. You are preaching it's up the in here. Now to the lady who asked the question, Paul actually says it like this. He said, if you're married to an unbeliever who is willing to stay with you, then you don't have any reason. You, you said that this person is great in everything except their relationship with God. So then you strict. You is preaching up in here. Listen, I want to say this too because I I'm think, telling y'all what Holy Spirit done told no, me. No, this is but but the other thing too, and I think women need to understand this that the truth of it is is that the Holy Spirit was tougher on you than me because you represent Jesus. Mm -hmm. You represent Jesus. And part of the what's out of order in the body of Christ is we got a lot of women trying to be Jesus and the husband being the church. Well, now you don't start preaching. We got a lot of women trying to be Jesus. And, and women always go to that scripture about Hosea. Hosea was a man representing the church. I mean, representing God, representing Jesus. He was a prophetic shadowing of Jesus. It should never be the so-called weaker vessel upholding when has god ever asked the church to uphold has. jesus has. when has god ever asked the church to uphold he jesus? never has now what happened is is that as you begin to show up i saw somebody had this on the tiktok the other day and i meant to send it to you and it says listen here when a man really starts to love you like god there will be things he does do for you that you know came from God. Mm. There are literally things you do for me, and I know that is God saying to me, I love you. Mm. I know it came. I know that you have become the expression of God in the earth to me. And what it does is that it's the reason that I would now say, if strict say don't turn the light on, don't turn the light on, it ain't even that big a deal, right? And I think that this is so important. Somebody said we should do a marriage retreat. I agree. Who thinks we should do a marriage retreat? I totally agree. We should get away. We should do a marriage retreat. 
I need some help though, because y'all pass to be tripping sometimes. <laughs> so I really need some help. If you think we should do a marriage retreat, you should put it in the comments. Say retreat. And so this is so important because and let me just parenthetically insert. Don't just be talking about we do a marriage retreat. Are you gonna come? Are, to well, the are you gonna come to the I don't, marriage I, retreat? Because I hear a lot of people telling me a lot of times about stuff we ought to do, but are you gonna actually come to a marriage retreat? Are you gonna come because to the marriage I spent retreat? a week marriage retreating with you in Cancun? So <laughs> I don't need to have a marriage retreat just to have one. Are you gonna come to a marriage retreat? <laughs> are you gonna come to a marriage retreat? We should have a marriage retreat. Um, um Kim say her and her Sean go come. All right. All right. So <laughs> this is so important because you guys need to understand that obedience is the place where you are conformed into the image of Christ. Mm. Obedience is where we are conformed. There can be no conforming. Now, we know that our spirit has been made new. But obedience is where our soul is conformed and transformed so that we then begin to respond like Christ does. When we begin to respond like heaven, we get heaven's outcomes. Mm -hmm. So obedience, I can be born again. We see this every day. I can be born again and living in hell every day on earth. Because there is no transformation because I will not conform in obedience. When I conform in obedience, then what Jesus has done in my spirit begins to show up in my life. Mm. And then heaven becomes the reality. See, God never wanted there to be separation between heaven and earth. You can go back and look in Genesis and see that sin comes not only separates us from God, but it separates earth from heaven. Mm. Jesus comes in order to get us back in heaven and to get heaven back in earth. Obedience is the gateway. It is the door. It is the defined defense that literally releases heaven in the earth. I remember when the Lord said to me, if you will do this my way, mm -hmm. I will give you days of heaven on earth. And I am continually amazed at how much better our marriage gets because of that submission and that obedience to doing it God's way. Yeah. To doing it God's way. The same in your business. The same with raising your kids. The same with every area of your life. So all the people who have said, I need some people to make a prophetic confession, say, I am obedient. I am obedient. I am obedient. I am. I am obedient. One of the things that's in the notes today that I think is so good is that loving God must be more than just lip service. It must be. It's got to be more than just saying it. It can't just be, God, I love you. God, I love you. God, I love you. And then and then you find yourself practicing disobedience. It's literally what Jesus asked when he said, why call me Lord, Lord? And you, and you don't even do what I say. Like, why are you just giving me lip service? Why are you just telling me that you love me? But every action you're doing says the opposite. And the truth of it is, is that it's the reason that we're in a season right now where a lot of people want a preacher, but they don't want a spiritual leader. Yeah. They don't want a shepherd. They don't want an apostle. They don't want a prophet. They don't want a pastor. What they want is someone who is going to say to them, oh, you blessed and highly favored. You such and such, you such and such. But nobody who's going to say you need to grow up because there are very. And I don't know why we're here. I, 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 I call it buffet ministry. 
buffet they, they ministry. They want a buffet ministry. What they want is I want to go down a buffet line. I see the I like prosperity. Uh, I like some worship. Uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna chill on that obedience today. I don't want a lot of that on my plate. Uh, yeah, all that forgiving. No, I don't want to take no forgiving. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, somebody gonna sew into me? Yeah, give me a two two plates full of that. Two plates, uh, you know. And it's like this, it's this idea that we want to pick and choose only the pleasurable parts of of kingdom. But the truth of the matter is, every kingdom subject has to do some things they don't like sometimes. Come on. But that's why the Bible says, but oh, if you be willing and obedient, and you be obedient and obedient, not obedient and willing, if you be willing first, because it's about your heart. Do I have a desire to please God? Because if I have a desire to please God and then from that desire, I obey God, then I show myself on a daily basis how much I love God. And then it's not just lip service. Anybody getting anything out of this? <laughs> Tell us your takeaways right now. Right. Um. Um, in Philippians 1 and 27, this is a really good scripture right here. It says that whatever may be happen, that they were at all times to conduct themselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Mm -hmm. Do you conduct yourself in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Did, and this is really what I mean. And, and, you know, one of my friends reached out to me yesterday and they said, I really finally understand what you're saying about living holy, right? There should be no place that I go that anybody would ever wonder if I belong to God. Yeah, right. There should be no place right. that I go. And you shouldn't have to wear a T-shirt, a baseball cap, a wristband a, with, with a fish on it, denoting, oh, I'm a Christian. Your life ought to say to people, even if they can't articulate you're a Christian, there's something different about them. So when I say, I'm going to go back to one of my favorite T-shirts that I can't stand, y'all know what it is. I love God, but I cuss a little. That goes in direct contradiction to Philippians 1.27 because it says whatever happens whatever happens conduct yourselves mm -hmm. in a manner worthy of the gospel they didn't treat me right whatever happens yeah. they were rude to me whatever happens they tried to backstab me whatever happens conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ I ask my kids this sometimes. If Jesus was standing in the room, if you could see Jesus standing in the room, would you do it? Yeah. If you wouldn't do it, if Jesus is standing in the room, you already know the answer. Because he's in the room. Because he's in the room. <laughs> he's in the room. Because he's in the room. And that is why it bugs me sometimes when I see the church just vomiting out this carnality and people saying it's keeping it real because it directly contradicts this scripture that says, whatever happens. Whatever happens, live in a way that is worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and what, what the reality of it is, is that that happens, that carnality shows up and then perpetuates in our society because we don't do what Psalms 119.11 told us to do. Come on. Psalms 119.11 specifically says, your word, Lord. Have I hid in my heart? Have I laid it up in my heart? What? Your word. Why? Because if your word is in my heart, 
then I might not do what? Sin against you. I won't find myself practicing disobedience. I won't find myself reveling in the fact that I love God, but I cuss a little. I won't find myself reveling in those carnality um, principles because I've hidden your word in my heart and your word goes against that. So when, if I don't have a lack of word, it is what causes an outgrowth of carnality. It's a lack of word. When I have a, that's why that's why we say in this church we love the word. We love the word. It's why we it's why we say to people, hey, one of our commitments is that we read our word daily. Why? Because we understand that if you will hide God's word in your heart, it will resonate in such a way that when carnality shows up, it will expel it. It won't get a chance to stay there. But absence of the word, carnality sticks. When you're absent of God's word, carnality will Y'all, stick. Y'all, this so good, but pull up the scripture again, Pastor Brown, because I love this right here. He says, your word, who did it? I laid it up. Yeah. So one translation says I hid it. Yeah. I hide your word in my heart for this one purpose that I might not that miss I the mark not, with yeah. you. That I might, that I might not miss the mark with you. I'm studying scripture. I'm spending time with you because I don't want to miss the mark mm -hmm. with you. And let me tell you how I know people understand that. I study him. You study me so we don't miss the mark mm -hmm. with each other. Don't mm -hmm. tell me people don't understand it. We study the word. We study when you love someone, you study them because you don't want to miss the mark yep. with them. So when you say you love Jesus, but you won't study Jesus so you don't miss the mark, you're deceiving yourself. Yep. The more I love you, the less I want to do that misses the mark. It's not even about um, whether you're going to be upset. It's about simply wanting to give you what I believe yes. you are worthy of. Mm. It is about wanting to give you what you are worthy of. How can I say I love Jesus, this same Jesus who died on the cross, was pierced in his side, nailed in his hand, nailed, pierced it, um, thorn, thorn, a crown, crown of thorns, spit on, and then I say I'm okay with cursing a little. I'm okay with fornication. I'm okay with stealing the time. I'm okay with not going to church. I'm okay with rebellion. You are deceiving yourself. Come on, Shavandra. How can I say I love Jesus and make obedience an option? Some of you have been more obedient to people who didn't care nothing about you. You have obeyed men and women who didn't care nothing about you, but you won't obey Jesus who gave everything mm -hmm. for you. Yes. It's deception. It is. it is utter deception. And here's the thing. It's not just about us. We're getting ready to end right here. We can do yeah. point two next week. Well, we, it's not just about us. Someone said something. I've always been a person who like, I want everybody to know Jesus. I want everybody to know Jesus. Even at, at the, if, even on vacation, I got to prophesy to a couple people. Like I, I want everybody to know Jesus. I'm, I'm on the bus looking. Who is my, who am I gonna get the opportunity to minister to? I want everybody to know Jesus. But I, I heard somebody articulate what I have been trying to say for years, and I feel like they articulated it so much better than I did. He said. How could you really, really love Jesus 
and understand the magnitude of what Jesus did for us and be comfortable with over 5 billion of your brothers and sisters not knowing him and live in such a way that they can't find him through you. Right. And that for me is the sticking point. Here's the thing. If you live for God, he going to be good to you. Yeah. No, he's going to be good to you. But what about the people that you miss because you do curse a little? Yeah. What about the people that you miss because you messy at work? What about the fact that your kids have no interest in God because you live two ways? Yeah. What about the fact that your mama is on her way to hell because you live two different ways? What about that? What about that? And to me, Jesus's obedience wasn't for his reward. It was for us. We were the reward. You know, it's interesting you say that because I had a conversation uh, when I had a chance to go to Dubai, we were talking to one of the guys who was one of our drivers. And and obviously he's a he's a he's, he practices Islam. He's, he's a Muslim. He's practiced Islam as part of his religion. Uh, very nice guy. But we were talking and I don't even know how we got into a conversation, but he was saying that one of the tenets uh, that, that he practices is to do no harm. And we were asking about that. And he said that he's, his desire is to live in such a way that he does no harm uh, for the reputation of Allah. Uh, he wanted to make sure that he lived in such a way that those in, in, in what he would call us infidels, <laughs> those of us who are Christian, that he would live in such a way that his life would cause us to want to know who his God is. And I'm saying that, you know, it's, 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 it's not just Christians. Any religion who serves a particular God has that principle. But yet Christians are the only ones who, who wants to be pluralistic. We're the only ones who want to say, oh, we want to we want to accept everybody. There's Jesus isn't the only way. There's multiple ways. But that but that 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 Muslim guy was clear that the only way to Allah was through the prophet Muhammad. He was clear about that, you know, and and was trying to 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 express his desire to get us to convert so that we wouldn't end up uh, in a bad place. And and all I'm saying is that there was no bend in what he was saying. So if there's no bend in what he's saying, there should be no bend in what we're saying. Come on. But yet we want to practice this idea of of being pluralistic where we don't just want to obey God because my obedience may offend someone. Well, I'm always going to be able to say if, if, if offending you or obeying God is the option, you're going to always be offended because I'm going to obey God. I'm going to obey I'm God. Going to obey I'm going God. to obey God. I'm going to give you this testimony as we get ready to go. It's your opportunity to give. Let me tell you something, how important, how important it is in how you live. Um, there were so many testimonies. The, the way that we were able to share God's goodness in our so um, tipping people, mm-hmm. the way that we were able to show God's goodness and when people found out how long we had been married. But there was a young lady, um, one of the early days in the pool, there was a young lady and um, it, was, it was three couples and we were all in the pool just laughing and joking, whatever. And she began to ask us these questions about our birthday and all of this different stuff. And um, it, she was really into numerology and a lot of different stuff. And Ellen was like, laughing because he 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 know if I was about to pull out my Bible and preach the whole message to her. But literally, this is what the Lord said to me. She wants to know truth. She wants to know truth. And he said, don't say anything right now. I'm going to give you an opportunity before she leaves. 
to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with her, right? Two days later, we end up, you was in there talking to us for a little while, but mm -hmm. I ended up talking to that young lady for over an hour in the pool. And she was like, I need to know you. I'm supposed to be connected to you. So we made a connection. And I was saying that I think sometimes when you don't know who your God is, the church is either living carnal or living in hiding. Mm -hmm. So anytime somebody believes something different from us, we're running from them mm -hmm. as though the truth in us isn't big enough. Nothing that that girl believed is superior to the Lord Jesus Christ. The problem is, though, is that the truth many people have in them is not enough. Well, because they don't do Psalms 119. They don't hide God's word in their heart. It, when you talk about having truth in them, truth doesn't come through osmosis. It doesn't come just because you say you're a Christian. The Bible says we need to study and show ourselves approved, a workman who can rightly divide the gospel. And so if you haven't taken the time to develop that and practice that, it can feel like you need to run because what you have is not bigger than what they have. But you need to know that what you have is bigger than what they have, and you need to develop it so that you can articulate it in such a way that's not offensive, but drawing. Now, that's just the truth, though. I feel like you're really doing your good preaching after vacation. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just like simple thing. I thought about this a lot. You know, I thought about the idea that as believers, oftentimes we either, like you said, we come off as so arrogant that we push people away. Or we're not confident in what we know about our God that we run away. And it can't be it can't be both of those. It can't be that we're always so scared or we're always so arrogant we can't draw. We, we, we serve a God who has the ability to know the heart of everybody we speak to. And if we will listen to Holy Spirit and he will communicate to us about how to communicate to this person and the next person and the next person, it could be three totally different ways. But God knows what it takes to draw. But we need to have enough confidence in who he is and in his ability to use us to do that. And sometimes I don't think we do as believers. So what I hear you saying as we wrap up and we put up the giving statements is that. If you really want to be able to testify about him, you got to know him. You got to know him. You got to know him. You got to know who you're talking about. And you know him through experience. That's right. The word you know should become experience, experience Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And, and, and I, I just want to encourage you guys because I, I, you know, my personal conviction is that the gospel of America is incredibly selfish. And mm. it's a, it's a it, it is a modification of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says that people don't accept Jesus for one reason, the God of this world mm, has, blinded. has blinded their eyes. Yep. So when you can't see someone who believes in numerology or they're agnostic or atheist or they're into witchcraft, when you cannot see them as your brother or sister that has been blinded, you don't have any empathy for them. So some people run around and you want to be demon busters, but you so busy casting out demons, you don't care if you destroy the person. Mm. And some people, you have no regard for those people. Jesus came for everyone in every form of deception. Mm -hmm. He then said to us, don't go out because what makes us distinctly different than every other religion 
is that our God died to redeem us. We are not the sacrifice. He is the sacrifice. That is the difference. And he said, go out with signs, wonders, and miracles. Lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Cast out devils. Speak with new tongues. If you eat anything deadly, it won't harm you. He says, literally take the life that I have given you and go give it to the world. But if we don't see them as our lost brothers and sisters, if we're not willing to stand in integrity for the things from God, we just end up thinking that Christianity is just another religion of morality. And it's not. It is supernatural transformation. And if you ever want to live in the supernatural transformation, you must be a person who obeys God. Amen. All right. That's our teaching for today. Listen, you know, you got ways to give. Who's ready to sow into today's word? Who who who's like, man, I'm going to be a tither. Absolutely. I'm going to give my offering. You can use give five push pay tithely and text to give. And we believe that this is 100 percent time in church. We are so thankful for the scholarships. I want to tell you all something. Y'all got a really, really sweet pastor. We had a young lady who reached out to us on, on the first day of vacation. No, yeah, it was the first day of vacation. And that baby had worked really hard, but she did not have the money to get to college. She didn't have the stuff for her room and all of that stuff. And I want you to know that your pastor gave her one of the James A. Young Memorial Scholarships. Now, I was able to do that because because you guys had given so much that we had money still left in the scholarship. Uh, And so because of you, I was able to to extend one of the James A. Young scholarships to her because we had uh, five available and only four uh, people applied. And so uh, because, you know, she had the grades and she was she had everything she needed to get. She was in school. She had a letter. And so, yes, I did that on behalf of you. So. uh, So I want you to know that late in the midnight hour, this baby had to be on at school on the 20th. She did on the 19th. She did not have the money. And because of your generosity and our pastor's vision, that baby made it to college. She made it to college. And she said, we said, what don't what what don't you have? And she said, I don't have gas to get there. She said, and I don't I don't I don't have anything for my room. And Pastor Ellen sent her to and she sent us a message back and she said, I'm going to make y'all an FOC proud. That's what we do. That's the difference we make. That's the difference that we make, guys. That's the difference that you make. That is what happens when we give, when we give in abundance. This is what happens because then there is overflow. Literally, if you have ever been to college and you didn't know because your parents didn't have the resources. And, and she had worked all summer long. She had worked all, all summer, summer long. long. Her mother then sent a message and said, my daughter sent you this message. She's not lying. She worked all summer long, part time. She just doesn't have enough and I can't help her. And you guys did that. Yep. And I want you to remember that when you sow today. 
you guys did that. And you know what? If you gave to the scholarship fund, you know what that qualifies you for? A late in the midnight hour, God's going to turn it around right. breakthrough. Yeah. It's, it, it'll be down to the clutch and you don't won't know how it's going to come through and God is going to work it out. But I listen, Pastor Ellen doesn't like to be recognized, but I need y'all to give it up for your pastor because we were able to do this because of his vision, because of his yes. We only gave because it was important to him because he agreed with God. So, babe, just let us celebrate okay. you for a moment for your heart to see these babies be able to go to school Amen. and stay in school. Amen. Because this is a baby who would not have even been able to get to the first day of school had you not said yes. So I want y'all to heart, fire, all of that stuff. Thank God for Pastor Ellen. Thank God for Pastor Ellen. Thank God for your heart. Thank God that even though you petty and you silly and you all of those things, you're going to hear and obey God. Oh, and there God. is at least one young lady who would not have gone to school last Saturday had it not been for your ability to say yes and to prepare this church for this moment. Amen. 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 Receive all that love. I receive it. We also got to congratulate uh, Dr. Trinika. McCoy. Dr. Trinika McCoy <laughs> gra graduated with her doctor doctoral yesterday. Doc, doc, what is it? Doctoral degree. Doctorate. Yeah. Doctoral that. Degree. She a doctor now. That's yeah. the point. <laughs> she don't do surgery, but she a doctor, right? And she is right, you're telling people to be calling her. I got a bump on I my I got a no, bump. Not, not that. that. Not that. Don't be asking her about no bumps. That's not what she does. But congratulations so, to you. As we listen, could y'all do this for us? Tell us your takeaway from today's message. Your 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 takeaway from today's message, and then we're gonna say goodbye. We're gonna go, and I want to challenge y'all. Um, I'm gonna give y'all ample notice for those of you who have not been to a fire experience. I'm giving you months in advance. the the um The fire experience and the huddle are gonna be combined. You can come and do them. So for those of you who have not made it to the huddle, December 9th through the 11th. We're combining it. So the fire experience is a conference. And then that Sunday morning is going to be the huddle service. That's December 9th through the 11th. I want those of you who have not made it up here yet. Some of you live in Little Rock. You haven't driven up here. Some of you just live just a few hours away. Some of you could go ahead and make this a part of your Christmas list. I want you to be in the place for the huddle on December 11th. Yes? December 11th? December 11th. All right. Um, my takeaway, I sent intent and surrender my entire being to the obedience of God. Trinika says she'll be there. Kim says she'll be there. Etoy says she'll be there. Now, the huddle will be free. There is a registration cost for the um, um, for the fire experience. It's going to open on September 1st, though. We have partners saying some of you, you have not made it to Northwest Arkansas yet. And you say that this is your church home. And I am challenging you to come in December and let's gather together for the last gathering in-person gathering in the 2022 year. That's Amen. what I'm asking you to do. Amen. All right. We love y'all. You know what we need to do. Monday strategies for success. Tuesday night prayer um, at 8 p.m. Central. 
Wednesday, get your kids to your teens to ignite at 7 p.m. And then Pastor Ralph is going to teach at 8 p.m. You know that you can do um, our Victory Zone Children's Church on demand. Get your kids watching that. And then Friday morning prayer. And then we will be back here, Pastor Chris, at 9 a.m. Uh, um, next Sunday morning. And Pastor Edwin and I at 930. Y'all have an amazing week. And we're about to see some of you at the huddle. And before Bless you come in December, remember, we have huddles before that. Our next one's going to be September 25th. So go ahead and mark your calendars and we'll That's see Kevin's you. Birthday. Yeah, we'll see you on September 25th, Sunday, right back here in Northwest Arkansas. You guys take care. All, All right. right. Love y'all.